All right, folks, it's time to stop awkwardly drinking in front of your coworkers because it's time for another episode of the Tornado Alley Soccer Podcast. We've got great interview, Sonny D'Alessandro, co-owner, Tulsa Athletic. He is coming on to talk shop and give his unfiltered opinions on the current state of soccer here in the United States. Also, we have some off-season maneuvers, comings and goings of the Tulsa Roughnecks, some players will not be joining the 2018 season. We'll get into some of those details. But first, folks, it's getting dark. It's time to put down that eggnog. The, the skies are getting dark. It's getting windy. You got to get inside the pillows, the blankets, get all the kids, get all those, get, even if they're not your kids, get them inside because it's time for another episode of the Tornado Alley Soccer Podcast. you so much joining me for this episode of the tornado alley soccer podcast folks bgn.fm that's where you can find this awesome podcast along with my other friends and 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 neighbors on the podcast network the bgn beautiful game network so come join us there's tons of great great episodes great podcasts USL 2.0 episode, like I mentioned on the last epi- on my last episode, they are back and are talking all things off season. We just um, have been jam session, I guess, and getting all of our uh, the spreadsheets updated for all the teams are making announcements as they come trickling in. Some coming in in mass, others one player at a time. So they will have all those details and give their opinions on those off-season moves in the USL. Uh, really right now for Tulsa Roughnecks, it's it's not, you know, no news right now. The only two signings so far in the, in the off-season that are coming back to Tulsa, Coach uh, David Valdrell, of course. I believe we announced that on the last episode. And then Fabian Serta coming back between the pipes in Tulsa for the 2018 season. Uh, but as more teams come online, especially with uh, Nashville making is the moves that they've been making, uh, you know, we have some great talent here. And unfortunately, we'll be without Kosuke Kimura in the 2018 season as he has signed on with uh, the new Nashville club. And Inns Fontessen will uh, be gone as well as he signed with uh, the Charleston Battery. So, um, Wish those two guys well. Got to know them pretty well last season. Great guys. Uh, hope all the best for them. Uh, they will be in the East, so we won't probably won't see them here in Tulsa, which, uh, you know, really is for fans in Tulsa. You know, it's nice to see some of those players come back and, you know, kind of root against them for a little bit and then say hi to them after the match. But really, um, that most ideal situation on some of these players that we really liked is to not have to create a rivalry with them. So uh, best of luck to both those guys. Even if they played for Oklahoma City, I, I still wish them well, uh, just from a personal standpoint. And then uh, just a couple of other uh, quick notes to make. Uh, Joey Calistri and uh, Colin Fernandez were both cut at the Chicago Fire. So their uh, futures are uncertain in the, in, in the uh, MLS 
Um, I, I imagine they'll probably get some looks from the MLS squads. I believe they've got to clear waivers, maybe the expansion draft, which I believe is going on currently. I haven't had an update on those. So uh, as far as I know, they're still, they'll be free agents for the 2018 season unless the uh, MLS team uh, takes their rights or picks them up on the waivers. Of course, that's probably their first option is to stay in the MLS, but um, you never know. There's quite a, a lot of action on Monday. A lot of teams, you know, cutting their roster sizes or allowing uh, space on their rosters for expansion um, play or for free agents or homegrown players to take in those spots. So, uh, well, it remains to be seen if um, if those guys come back to Tulsa next year. I'm, um, I have it on pretty good terms, I'm sure. Coach Folgerall has been in contact with both those guys. So we'll see what that turns into. And, you know, obviously wish those guys well wherever they may be as they were big-time contributors to 2017 season. But here's the thing. This is – it's almost, you know, you're kind of running a college team on crack, so to speak, because – or it's kind of college – like college football. You know, the guys are going to rotate every four years, three years. Maybe you get them for a year or so. In USL, you know, the turnover rate is so much higher. And, you know, for a team to get uh, – for Tulsa, really, to retain players for more than one season, it seems like that's the exception to the rule. You know, so we'll see if some of these guys – we're hearing a couple of rumors. I don't want to, you know, say something and be completely wrong. But I have it on pretty good authority that there would be a couple more players – uh, coming back from the 2017 season, uh, or at least the talks are underway. And, you know, we'll probably see some of those guys that played last year uh, go on to bigger pastures or to greener pastures, I should say. I know I was reading on Twitter and had to get it translated from a, a Argentinian site, but it looked like there's some international or teams internationally that are interested in Juan Pablo Caffa. Um I mean, he's a guy who's probably the MVP of uh, the Tulsa Roughnecks last season, played very well, got his name out there. Uh, a lot of teams would love to have him. And, you know, it really kind of comes down to, you know, who's going to pay and, and what teams what, what teams are interested of him or interested in him, and he's interested in them as well. So, you know, we're starting to see some of that. Um, I know Coach Valgerol, we have – will be hosting that clinic or a tryout on Friday and Saturday. Maybe it's Saturday and Sunday this this weekend. So, you know, we can see some of these guys. Uh, these, you know, if you want to go out there, I believe it's in Jinx. Um, maybe you're wrong. Anyway, I don't have that information in front of me, but there will be a uh, an open tryout for the Tulsa Roughnecks. And um, usually those are at... Um, Mohawk Park, but I I can check real quick. But anyway, <laughs> so yeah, there's a uh, it's uh, the Titan actually it's at the Titan Complex there in uh, Jinx, so or in Tulsa Jinx area near the southern or the was it the Tulsa Hills area? But anyway, so they'll have that going. I know there's a few guys, a few rastabouts making the journey there to watch and. And see who maybe the future roughnecks there. So we'll see how that goes. And I imagine we'll have some more announcements after that combine uh, takes place. 
But anyway, uh, right now, what I'd like to do is turn it over. Sonny D'Alessandro had him on the podcast, and always a great, always love having him on. He, you, you can ask him anything. He'll give you his honest opinion on it, unfiltered opinion, I call it. God knows so much about soccer, Tulsa soccer. I mean, the guy lives and breathes it. Um, you know, he's Mr. Tulsa soccer as far as I'm concerned, and always a good guy to bounce ideas and, and just to talk shop with. So uh, without further ado, Mr. Sonny D'Alessandro. All right, folks, I have a treat for you, a little uh, early Christmas gift, if you will. Uh, I have co-owner of Tulsa Athletics, Sonny D'Alessandro, on on the uh, phone network that is yet to be sponsored. <laughs> Sonny, how's it going, my man? Well, good. Thanks for the introduction. It's probably the nicest thing I've been called all year, uh, <laughs> a Christmas treat. So, yeah, no, I'm glad to be on. Thanks for having me on, Roger. Yeah, you bet. And, uh, yeah, we've – gosh, it's, it seems like the off season is the new in season, doesn't it? And with yeah. us, all the leagues, you know, it's – everybody kind of waits for the season to end. And then, oh, here's all this stuff going on, NASL, NPSL. Uh, yep. So much to talk about, but before we kind of hop into that, um, we'll, we'll just kind of briefly talk about 2017 season. Uh, lots of new things for you guys, uh, new stadium, uh, a return back to the Open Cup, and, uh, you know, with this new look uh, Heartland division with, a, you know, new teams that are, you know, looking to come onto the fold in the future, but you had some new teams last year. Uh, just kind of give me your overall take of the 2017 season. Oh, you know, it was, it was okay. We, we, we've set a pretty high standard for ourselves here. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, we've won our conference coming into this year, three out of the four years, we've run the regular season conference title. So, you know, that's where we as a, an organization and where our fans see us finishing. So, um, you know, it was a, it was a weird one. It, there's a lot more parity in the league, which is, mm -hmm. which is a good thing. You know, there's no more 10, two game. Although we, we did get a hold of Ozark one, yeah. game, nine, one, <laughs> but uh, you look at it, that's a team that beat, beats little rock late mm -hmm. in the season and beats Joplin late in the season. And we lost to Joplin once for the first time. So I think across the board, you know, if I remove myself, if I remove my Tulsa athletics hat, uh, and I still say the S, by the okay, way. Okay, that's uh, fine. Uh, <laughs> I don't feel so oh, bad now. Hopefully, it's going to kiss my ass. Uh, <laughs> so, um, and I, we can touch on that lawsuit. I can give you guys an update on that Ooh, later nice. as well. But if I remove my, if I remove my athletics hat for a minute, and I, I sit on the board with the on the regional board of directors for the league as well. You know, it's kind of good to see that parity and a, a little bit more competition from top to bottom in in the tables you used to look at our conference a year or two ago you know and you just say yeah Tulsa and Wichita like there it is mm -hmm. well now you got Little Rock that's challenging um you know Dallas City beat us at home um so it was as far as results go we weren't pleased we felt like we lost it was one of those seasons where we didn't catch the the breaks and the other mm -hmm. teams took their chances and that resulted in us um I think we were five, four, and one, which, you know, might be okay for some franchises. For us, you know, we play a ten-game season. We want at least eight Ws. Mm -hmm. um, the Open Cup was a little bit heartbreaking. I think mm -hmm. kind of for all Tulsa soccer fans because the um, the 
the Tulsa Derby still hasn't happened yet. Right. Um, and I and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you were on the roof with me when we equalized against the Energy Twenty Threes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's correct. Yeah, we were sitting up there just chatting, and uh, yeah, that was a, a cool to experience up there. I think uh, some lightning was in the area, and I think we had to eventually come down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> no one witness first. You get to witness firsthand what a damn lunatic I am. Like when the club scores a goal, like it 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 still means as much now as it did the first match, which is feels good to say and it feels good to feel that way still sure. so um yeah so that was disappointing as well you know i mean <clears throat> losing in penalties is a tough way to go out but mm. when the the prize for that is the tulsa derby um mm. you know I, I still think there's a an interest for fans to see it. I, the roughnecks had a really nice year this last year so i, I think we probably would have come up second best um uh, this past year but you never know sure um you never know. And it's kind of a, a nothing to lose situation for us anyways. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was kind of one of those just missed type of seasons, un- sure. unfortunately. So we're working even harder this off season to get some signatures and to bring some guys in that we think can make us contenders, not just for our conference title, but you know, on the national level as well, we'd like to go deep. We'd like to, it's like a, over a hundred teams in this league. So to bring the natty home with the, that sort of competition says a lot uh, sure. for whoever's left standing, just sheer numbers wise. So yeah, yeah, we're work, we're working hard and trying to build it up again. Yeah, and you mentioned something I, I wasn't going to originally ask, but now that you had said something with the 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 Midland team making the run, and then all of a sudden they had players that had to go play college ball. And so they're yeah. kind of left with this skeleton team. And of course they had no chance, uh, uh, playing the, the team from Connecticut who had, were kind of a semi pro team. Uh, do, is that something that you guys kind of looked at in the off season and thought, you know, we need to move that finals game back or is it just, it is what it is. Right. Well, that's a two part question. It's a two part answer really. Mm-hmm. So, it was my first year on the board and the first main thing that happens was, Hey, we might not have a national final, like our showcase game. So I'm mm. immediately thinking like, this is team in trouble is in my region. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not going to let this happen on, on my watch. So I've, I'm calling Midland three times a day, looking up NCAA rules. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first part of your question is, yeah, we moved the national final back to where it was, which is a week earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, so it shouldn't affect the teams like quite as much as it did in Midland. The other piece of that is there's kind of this breakdown between the NCAA and how they interpret their rules. And when college coaches call their players back, like that rule actually says that players are eligible until school starts. Mm-hmm. Um you know, so if they're on campus and they're just going to practice, but school hasn't started, technically, according to that interpretation of the NCAA's rules, they should be good to go. And one school, and I won't name names, I mean, I'm sure if you did your homework, mm-hmm. they they interpreted that rule that way. And that, that sort of gave Midland a shot in the arm of three or four players. And I think they got a goalkeeper out of the deal. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was less than ideal. It was thrown together. Midland would have given them a much better game in the final than that had they had been at full strength, obviously. But, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I think that's one of the differences in the PDL, between the PDL and the MPSL is if you look at our national final in comparison to the PDLs, there's just such a genuine interest in these communities. Like sure. we seem to land and resonate a little bit more in the, in the uh, markets that we're in, whereas 
PDL is just kind of viewed as a summer league for college players. Right. You know, they've got their under 23, their over 23 rule and stuff like that. So I can see why it works that way. And I understand their model. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you go to Detroit City for a national semifinal, it's fucking madness up there. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, oh, go ahead. Oh, no. I, you know, I was just saying we've got some we've got some really some really cool markets and i mean hell even cleveland who's not known for having a big crowd two years ago they sold out their little venue for a national final so um yeah i'm glad the game ultimately got pieced together and got Mm -hmm. to showcase a really good team in elm city from connecticut um you know let them show what they could do and sell out crowd and i think the right team at the end of the day lifted the national championship trophy but um yeah, it, it's a it's a something that I had the actually the conversation last night with a, a uh, not a rules officer but mm-hmm. uh, a compliance officer just about how we sort of unblur those lines so that there's a better understanding between summer clubs and the schools which the players they use play for you know sure. the last thing we want to do is compromise eligibility for a player or something like that so yeah uh, but yeah just trying to get a little bit of clarity on that and, uh yeah to answer the first part of your question the, the final will just be a week earlier this year okay so. i see okay very good well that's good and you know obviously the the scenario that you know may be unlikely to happen but you know you have one of these uh, P- PDL or even in you know NPSL teams making a huge run and all of a sudden they can't <laughs> field a team because the, the the U.S. Open Cup's playing matches in September. You know, it's uh, I'd like to see at least you know the college or NCAA come to some agreement to say okay we can or allow these guys to do this, but you know, they're not getting paid or anything. But I get with the school year, it's kind of complicates things for sure. Oh, I, I agree. That's a great point. And we, you know, we run this, we have this talk when the, we just got had our owners meeting in New Orleans a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, I, I actually am of the position that I, I think amateur teams should look at one doing like they do in England, like the, like the FA Vaz or the FA Shield. Mm-hmm. Uh, or not the FA Shield, the FA Trophy. There's the FA Trophy, the FA Vaz, and then the FA Cup. Mm-hmm. But the smaller ones are just uh, sometimes I think it's the Vaz is just the amateur teams. Right. And because when you look at it, the U.S. Open Cup's awesome. And, you know, in a, let's, a dream scenario, let's say we make a, the athletics make a run and let's say we clip an unprepared FC Dallas or whatever. And we get that we scalped an MLS team like that's mm-hmm. great. That's a wonderful story to tell. And. Mm-hmm. No one will ever get tired of hearing it. I mean, the Christos story was super cool. Mm-hmm. Like guys that just like worked at a liquor store in the Maryland area, uh-huh. making a run and, you know, equalizing with DC United and taking them late into that game after scalping a couple of USL teams. Mm-hmm. Like that's awesome. Yep. But at the end of the day, no, no team that uses college players is ever going to win it. So essentially we're in this competition we pay money annually to be a part of this competition in which we have no, there's no possibility of us winning it. Like I couldn't win it. I mean, and obviously we're not going to, because you might, 
you might catch even two MLS teams, but you're not going to catch four or five of them in a row. Like eventually the dream comes to an end. Mm -hmm. So where we presently sit in this system is, you know, where we compete in this competition that we can't, we literally can't win. The NCAA has rules in place where we don't have access to our players. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I would love to call Tom McIntosh and say, Hey, listen, is there any chance that I, you can sit these five guys against South Florida mm-hmm. Saturday because we have the New York Red Bulls in the U.S. Open Cup final? Mm-hmm, right. <laughs> that conversation is not going to happen. Um, yeah. And it, like I said, even if it did, it's a it's legally a no. So um, I'm actually in the camp that the amateur teams like the with the PDL, um, the UPSL. And all of the USASA men's league teams need to start pooling and taking an annual fee to start an amateur only cup that runs on Wednesdays during the summer, like a midweek. I mean, you have enough weeks where you can knock out enough teams. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think that is fascinating in the sense that there you will have a winner there. You will have a sure. national cup winner there. And you have other leagues and you still have upsets and travel and the story still exists. You know, a men's league team can can make that run. But, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. You know, U.S. soccer, they, they're in charge of the U.S. Open Cup. Um, you know, full disclosure, I don't think they do a very good job with it. Right. Uh, I think it's such an interesting piece in, a, in the soccer landscape, especially because we don't have pro-rel. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really the only opportunity to see FC Cincinnati, you know, beat some teams and sell out stadiums and create this, this sort of hysteria around the game, which is in my opinion, very healthy for the growth. Mm -hmm. Um, But so long as we're in a closed system and that cup is underutilized to me, it's just kind of a little boring. Uh, So I don't know. And sorry, that's a typical sunny answer where you ask me something and I run on to 13 different <laughs> topics, but <laughs> no, that's okay. No, it's, 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 it's a, it's not, it's not an easy answer. And, and there's a lot of, I think you have to kind of get outside the box if you want something to either, either have a full buy-in from the USSF and NCAA where it's like, Hey, we, we can't allow this to happen. It's if we make a one-time waiver and, and you do the best you can or, or be more lenient on the, you know, the uh, uh, semi-pro rules, you know, where you can't have, uh, and maybe you can't, I don't, I'm, I'm kind of, maybe I'm stepping out of my, out of bounds here, but you know, where you do, you can pay players and have college players just as long as you're not paying the college players, you know, that type of thing. Right. Um, you know, of course that can get in some muddy waters there, but yeah, I think there's a lot that can, that can happen with the open cup. I love watching those first few rounds and watching, you know, these, uh, men's league teams or, or you know, their La Maquinas come up and, and, and go up against these, uh, MLS clubs. It's really fascinating to me. And yeah, but you're right. There is an exploration date, even in the USL level and NASL level, you, you know, those teams can't go and beat I mean, Cincinnati almost got there, but Red Bulls got them, you know? So it's, it's yeah. tough, and and it eventually it becomes just a, two MLS teams playing, and no one cares, you know. Really. Well, you know, I think unfortunately that's the part of it where, you know, the relationship between MLS and USSF, you know, they allow for the MLS will play matches on an open cup, not like open uh, open cup quarterfinals, mm-hmm. you know. So 
it's just such a secondary thing to the MLS clubs. Like they prefer to play away matches because, you know, it's, it's a, it's a money loser if they host. Mm -hmm. I mean, like when you get to that point, like you have to figure out a way to monetize these things. Like the open cup, you know, they should, you know, it's spitballing, but the federation should look to outsource like a marketing firm that works on a contingency basis to sell it. And, Mm -hmm you know, bring in a couple of national sponsors, a travel sponsor, a ball sponsor. Sure. We just use whatever fucking ball like you have. <laughs> yeah. Like that's, that's our, our national knockout tournament. You just grab a ball out of the shed and play with it. It's like, that's gotta be better. Why don't we have a U.S. open cup ball? Yeah. Like the, the small clubs would love those. There'd be little trophy cases around this country, little offices where, you know, Christos has, a, you know, their U S open cup ball. I know I'd have a couple of them. Sure. Um, but it's just like they, they just don't really care right? Um, enough. I mean, they streamed our game to give you an example this year. Like, so they have the rights to stream it because it's their competition. So, mm-hmm. but then they're there and their stream was garbage this year. So, uh, you know, the businessman side of me says, hey, look, like we work pretty hard to put out a, a decent little stream for our guy, for our fans to watch. So if you're going to take this over, I expect it to be to that standard, if not higher, because I'm just a tier four club. Um, you know, and if you're coming in here, us soccer, and I understand there's 50 odd games or, or whatever, mm-hmm. but you know, at least have a platform that you can send to us where your sponsors are up and we can still do our thing. I, mm-hmm. You know, it's just the little things where it's not very organized. Federation's a little bit understaffed in their defense when it comes to stuff like this. I mean, you try getting an international clearance for a player and, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's a, it's a nightmare depending on the country they're from. So mm-hmm. they, they, they have a lot, they have a lot to do there. Um, but that's one of those things like if the open cup starts being a money earner for them, then they can grow their staff and grow, mm-hmm. um, grow what they're able to do there. Yeah. yeah. And that's a tricky thing to pull off, but you know, Hey, it's, it's growing. There's more teams involved. Uh, have you heard anything preliminarily as far as uh, if they're allowing more amateur? I know last season they talked about cutting it back. Uh, have you heard anything in that regard? That seems to be, you know, like the the rumor that goes around every year is they want to eliminate all but like four pro four amateur teams. So right. the pro clubs want to make it pro only and then the the smaller leagues and clubs they want to obviously grow it Mm -hmm. Um, and i think the most important thing is what you touched on earlier is you always watch the first few rounds Mm -hmm. and the u.s open cup's first few first three or four rounds are interesting uh and then past that it just becomes a little bit blah just Mm -hmm. because it's all mls teams but I mean, you'd think that they would catch on to the fact that the interesting portion of the cup is on that front end when, you know, some guy with a landscaping company has an NPSL <laughs> team and they did well in their conference and now here they are up against a, a USL team or or whatever. So, I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. It's, it's, you know, that MLS-USL-PDO-US soccer relationship is – in my opinion, a concern. So mm. we'll, we'll see, we'll see how it shakes out. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one of the things I wanted to touch on too, and, and on the off season, we've had a lot of 
things moving. Uh, NPSL continues to expand, it seems like. Uh, and then the UPSL has uh, kind of made some inroads to the Midwest, it seems. I think there's uh, been a couple of announcements. One, uh, I believe uh, there's been a Nebraska team thrown into mix. Yeah, I saw a St. Louis team too. I think. Yeah, yeah. Is have you? Do you know much about those guys and and kind of what they're doing? And do you think that they would expand into Oklahoma at any point? Um, you know, I don't know about Oklahoma. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'd never say never. Um, I like what they're doing now. I don't know enough about their league on like the on the the front line. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what they're minimum standards look like i've heard it's considerably lower than what we do mm-hmm. you know i think there's a lot of a lot of games where you know there's no showers and, and stuff like that so mm-hmm. I, I think the minimum standards are lower but i, I like their growth model you mm-hmm. know i think they're putting themselves out there in a way that's very approachable and very attractive to someone working on a smaller budget mm-hmm. and if you're filling in those map gaps then um you know, it's a reasonable, it's a reasonable way to grow your league. They're very aggressive in the way they've grown. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I would like to see our league, you know, and we, we discussed this in some of our board meetings, just about like what a relationship looks like with, with their league, um, you know, moving forward, some shared practices, um, the, you know, the theoretical pieces, what, what would a pro realm mm-hmm. piece look like between the two leagues, parachute payments, stuff like that. So, um, yeah, you know, I don't know a ton about the league, but anytime you see a league growing and expanding at the rate that theirs is, it's exciting. So, um, yeah, I, I think that, I think it's, I think it's good. Anytime that you're able to bring this game to, to, to markets where it doesn't presently exist, that's a, that's a win for soccer, right? Sure. Oh, absolutely. That's more players playing. That's more. Yep. That's more people being exposed to it, kids yeah. being exposed to it, that may be future players. You know, you never know. You never know how that works out. Um, and speaking, you kind of hit, hit on a little bit there, but uh, as far as NPSL, what's, what are you hearing as far as the relationship and, uh, with the NASL and, and kind of what you're hearing uh, just in the future of those two uh, leagues? And well, with, I, I guess also NISA as well, if we want to throw them in there. Um. Well, you know, Nisa's got that the issue of just they need that critical mass of teams. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the problem with the United States is it's so expansive that the travel at a uh, a minor league sports level, if you're having to travel from Chattanooga to Boise three or four times a year, like that's that's a significant chunk of cash. So, you know, you have to get that critical mass of teams so that you can divide the country up. And I think that like USL has done a masterful job of that, uh, of creating, you know, they split the country in half. And then I think they're looking to go and, uh, you're, you know, more about USL than I do, but I believe they're looking to go to three, three conferences or three regions next year. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. Okay. I mean, for me, I think four or eight, are good numbers like on my level we have four regions and i think as a league we would work better or we would be optimal at eight and mm-hmm. i think at the usl level i think four is a good number sure you could even argue mls going to going to the, the two conferences honestly mm-hmm. uh, you know i don't think that you would 
find too many complaints if the you know san jose orlando city rivalry was scratched from the cards next year you know mm-hmm. and there was one more game with the galaxy one more game with the new la team and one more game with the portland seattles and vancouver so mm-hmm. you know we just have this huge country um and we like to in soccer make it seem like the end goal in having a national league is to be what the nba and major league baseball and all of these other leagues are mm-hmm. but at the end of the day also we have these great rivalries and if you can do something to feed those rivalries more i think that's more beneficial than um you know white caps too playing louisville city <laughs> right yeah it's yeah i i agree and you know we have we had a little bit of a cross country matches and you know, here in Tulsa, I'd love to see the Tampa Bay Rowdies come to town, but I get it. You know, it's it's right. it's, it's 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 hard, and it's not my money. And I I, I know that's the main uh, expense for a lot of these teams is travel. It's not even really player salary; it's just getting from one place to another. Uh, and it's just such a big country, like you mentioned. It's so we'll see how you know that all kind of uh, unfolds and and comes to fruition in the next few years and. And speaking of future, and and uh, I have to ask, since you're in the off season right now, I know yep. you're probably focused on the 2018 uh, season right now. Yeah. What uh, what are you kind of looking at for uh, Tulsa Athletic for 2018 and uh, for the future after that? Uh, I know we had a new stadium last year. Is is yeah? Is, still, is that still on? Uh, to go back to uh, La Fortune. Right. So, and, and I can't speak in too much depth or detail mm-hmm. about about what our plans are i'm sure it's slipped out to a few people so if the uh if the local soccer nerds want to dig i'm sure they can find <laughs> out the answers but we we won't be playing at la fortune again um you know it was nice in the sense that we didn't have to do as much of the upkeep as we had to do with the old stadium but mm-hmm. um you know beer is such an important part of the <sighs> excuse me yeah, Sorry I know. That. Yeah, I'm up there yeah, just for folks who are listening. I'm I'm over here hacking up a lung too. So yeah. <laughs> it's uh we've got some allergies, cold seasons, uh, sweeping through Oklahoma pretty bad right now. So yeah, just wanna, season, right? Oh, it's uh, terrible. So yeah, I mean whether you drink or not, like it's sort of an understood thing that being able to have a beer and, and drink at sporting events is an important part mm-hmm. of the experience for a lot of people. So uh, our main focus was getting to a place where that is uh, legal, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. And you know, we also want to get back to sort of our organic grassroots right. feel. I mean, we, what we did in 2013 was such a weird thing, you know. And I think we did a a good job looking back of connecting some dots with the community and really you know, portraying and genuinely being the people's team. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, more people have my phone number than my girlfriend is comfortable with, you know, (laughs) who the fuck is calling you at one 15 in the morning, you know, about their cousin who's playing D two in Florida. And I'm like, listen, I watched the video. The kid can play a little bit. He's skipping around defenders, man. Come on. uh, (laughs) Right. But yeah, I mean, 
so we were able to kind of do that and create this culture and that that's cool so i think you know it's it's really important for us this coming year to uh, get back to that and you know we're probably not going to have 3500 fans a game i, I wish i, I i'll all, we always work towards growth and growing mm-hmm. and you know having our fan base uh increase in size but at the end of the day we're realistic about things and um at this point, after five years of doing this, what excites us most is, you know, and I don't want to sound like we've lost our competitive edge because anyone who knows me knows that that's furthest from the truth. But absolutely, we we are able to use our club as a mechanism for giving back to the community. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a philanthropic arm of our club, which is the Tulsa Athletic Foundation. And, you know, we help kids with, after, with some after-school programs, some curriculum for volunteer coaches, getting jerseys and shin guards, um, you know, to these kids. And that really helping set up something that can be beneficial for these kids and to the lower-income schools mm-hmm. who, who need a little bit of a, a boost here and there. So, like... You know, Roger, as much as I'd like to say the most important thing in the world is how do we win the championship next year? It's just not what's mo- the most important right now. Mm-hmm. Now, please, for anyone who listens, don't take that as we're not putting in the hours <laughs> every day to try and do that because I want to have it all. Like right. I, I think if you do good, you should get good things as well. So we we concentrate a lot of our energy on, on winning. Don't, don't get me wrong. As much, if not more, than any other club. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but after five years, you know, no one remembers who got fourth place in 2015. Uh, you know, but if, if you've created, a some programs that are helping contribute back to your community, then you're making a, a real, uh, segue with, with, you know, making your community a better place. So, um, or headway rather. Um, so yeah, I mean that that's that's what one of the things right now that we're focused on is some mm-hmm. of our our uh, our school programs and really getting that off the ground and uh, benefiting some of the local kids. I mean, my business partner, Dr. Kern, has the science that basically says if a child's heart rate is above a uh, hundred and fifty beats per minute for thirty minutes a day. Mm-hmm their levels in the classroom skyrocket. I mean, yeah. it sounds silly, but it's like when you're exercising or you're part of a team, I mean, the math is there. It's like 80, 86% of kids graduate from high school. I was looking at one of the Oklahoma City Energy's numbers the other day. and said like 99% of kids who play high school sports graduate from, from high school. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we want to take what we have and use it as that mechanism to give back and to be as impactful as we, as we possibly can. Yeah, no, I think that's what, uh, I, you know, we've had a couple of episodes and talked about the foundation. And I think at the end of the day, that's, what's the most important, um, you know, who, yeah. you know, wins and losses. Yes, that's, that's huge. And, but if there's not a component or, you know, a way of getting young kids involved because of, you know, eventually we're, we're not, you know, I don't even play and, you know, eventually we're not going to be able to play. And, and if other kids are, you know, like I mentioned earlier, you never know what a soccer team brings to a community. And, 
you know, you're exactly right. And, you know, in, in an ideal world, the way we see it, the more wins we have, the more people come out, and the more people that come out, the more it benefits our foundation. So that's kind of the way that we want the competition to drive the charitable give back is through our, you know, us being competitive on the field makes us more exciting to watch. Mm-hmm. More people come out, and when more people come out, they're spending more money that we can sort of help assign to to these programs and stuff like that. So that's that's the ideal scenario. Us winning trophies helps helps kids, you know, grow and and, and become better people. Yeah, well said. Well, before I before I cut you loose here, uh, I do have a quick question. I saw you tweeting at uh, John Bizworm and and with the Minneapolis uh, SC. Uh, he's been on the show in, in the past. And uh, any chance we get a friendly between the two uh, two squads? Oh, that's in Minneapolis. Yeah. <laughs> Who did you have? Who did you have on the show? Uh, did you have Dan on the show? Uh, John had John. Oh yeah, John on the show. Yeah, it was, it was like um, it, it was uh, maybe about this time last year. In fact, yeah. I had a ton of fun with John in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. I have never seen a man so drunk stand up <laughs> as well as John with. Um, um, yeah, those guys are great. Um, I just ordered a sweatshirt from them the other day. They, you know. You know me, I'm an old punk rock, and they run mm-hmm. that sort of counterculture punk rock style club. Mm-hmm. Um, and Minneapolis is just a, a, you know, they go hard. They oh, go sure. hard in Minneapolis. Um, especially, you know, I, like I said, they have an old punk rock scene there. And, like, I, I love what they do. So they are they are some of my buddies uh, at these owners' meetings. So there, there were three of them there this past this past uh, or two weekends ago so we hung out quite a bit and yeah i would be i would be absolutely open to having minneapolis down um let's see how far of a drive is many i used to make it all the time i was born in northern wisconsin so we would would drive through minneapolis and up through duluth uh before we cut over so i don't know it's probably what 12 hours yeah i think something like that it's straight up i-35 well, yeah, you know, they had a, there was a team but... from Minneapolis that played Wichita in a friendly last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I should see if we could get them a couple of games. Yeah, heck yeah. There we go. We can, uh, the Tornado Alley uh, Derby or something. I don't know. We'll we'll figure That's it out. That's right. I like it. I like it. <laughs> the F5 Derby. I don't know. Anyway, uh, well, great. Um, uh before before I cut you, okay, I have a have a last last question. No, no, ask that? me ask me as much as you want. You can always <laughs> edit this down to like a three minute piece. They don't have, people don't have to hear how much I actually ramble on about soccer. No worries. <laughs> well, favorite Christmas song? Oh God, um, oh probably the Pogues. Um, what's the Shane McGowan one? Uh, I'm I'm on the computer. Let me. uh... (laughs) If only we had this thing, uh, we could look at things online. And yeah, I know. Yeah, right. There's only like a a moving library. (laughs) Um, God, I used to be a huge Pogues fan. I don't know why the name of the song uh, eludes me. But here, I'll give you. I'll give you a little taste. Give me. Give me one second. I'm a huge fan of uh, artists whose voices are like have been worn out for what sounds like hundreds of years. Like, <laughs> you give me a Bob Dylan or Tom Waits or like some Shane McGowan, uh, Nick Cave. You know, I'm I, I'm in, I'm in. Mm-hmm. So let's see. 
Oh yeah, Fairy Tale of New York. I, I guess that would be my my uh, my favorite Christmas song. I don't even know if it's a Christmas song. Uh, it's kind of like Die Hard. It's Die Hard a Christmas movie? You know, it's always up for debate, right? <laughs> we'll, we'll go with it for now. That sounds good. <laughs> Let's see. Give the viewers a little a little taste. A little taste. Little 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 appetizer. Oh, I forgot that Matt Matt Dillon is the cop in the video. I forgot about this. Yeah, so uh, my my favorite Christmas song, if it is even a Christmas song at all, would be "Fairy Tale of New York" by the Pogues, featuring the one and only Kirsty McCall. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh man. Well, hey, I'll, I'll let you go. I know you've got a lot going on, and I appreciate your time and uh, coming on talking shop. Always a pleasure to have you on the the, the show and. Man, well, I'm sure we'll be in touch as the season gets closer and, and as we have some player announcements and all that good stuff. So uh, uh, we'll have you back. And, man, just uh, have a Merry Christmas, uh, Happy Holidays, and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you soon, okay? Yeah, same to you, Roger. Happy Holidays. If you need anything, just let us know. All right, will do. Thanks, Sonny. Yeah, take care. Bye-bye. All right, thank you so much, Sonny. We had Sonny D'Alessandro on, Tulsa Athletic co-owner. All right, folks. That is going to wrap it up. Uh, really quick, just some housekeeping matters. Um, we will probably not have another episode for the rest of the year. Got a lot of travel coming up in my personal life, so I will not be able to record. Uh, if something does come in, I might throw a mini episode out there, but otherwise just expect to have another episode after the first of the year. Uh, special shout-out to uh, Michael Mitchell bringing the air horn <laughs> with his help behind the scenes. Uh, we will have, uh, you know, we'll we'll have more, hopefully more signings here in the next few days. If something does break that we need to jump on, do an episode, we will. No big deal. Uh, right now, I believe we will, like I said, after the first will be our next episode. But otherwise, I hope you all have a happy holidays, great happy new year. God bless. Take care. <laughs>